welcome to episode 33 of From the Shed End Podcast with myself, T-Dot. As always, I'm joined by with Theo. How you doing? Yeah, good. It was a great weekend to be a Chelsea fan. So even though it's Monday, I'm still in a good mood. Let's put it like that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And um, no better place to start than St. Reese James's Park. Um, brilliant performance. Obviously, he was missing Mason Mount, which I think we were sort of hoping he was going to start. And you know, part of the game as well, but didn't seem to miss him. What was your thoughts on on the first half? Yeah, I mean, when I didn't see his name on the team sheet, I was a bit concerned because we know how important Mount is. I think he had to go back to London the night before because he he was ill or something like that. But um, first half, I thought it was a typical Chelsea performance at Newcastle, quite slow. You know, we found it quite hard to break Newcastle down. I thought that Hakim Ziyech, if this will make sense to anyone who watched the game, was our best player in the first half, but also our worst player, if, if that makes sense. Um, he took it brilliantly. He finished um, it was an opportunity off really well, but it was offside. He missed the sitter. He hit the post early off in the first half. So he kind of didn't really, you know, he was kind of a you know, focal point in that first half, but also, you know, he should have been scoring. He should have scored that easy chance. And that's kind of what we get with Hakim Ziyech. It's quite inconsistent of his performances. But then I saw a statistic that it was, uh, you know, we had 79% of the ball, you know, possession, which is our highest since April 2018, which is, you know, 79% away from home is huge. So, um, you know, that's something that we should, you know, consider. And then at the end of the day, another clean sheet, um, a 3-0 win. So it was all around quite a good performance. And I think we'll talk, we'll talk more about it in a while. But Reese James, I think, is absolutely fantastic. If you're basing this on form, like we've spoken about Mendy in the past, but he's a, by far the best right back in the world right now. I'd say uh, levels above Trent at the moment, levels above Hakimi, levels above Wan-Bissaka. It was, it was a brilliant performance. I think he had 86 touches of, uh, touches of the ball. And the vast majority of those touches actually came in the Newcastle half. So I think, you know, Tuchel's halftime talk said, um, you know, I want, you know, the wing backs to push up higher up the pitch. This is what we saw with Chilwell and Reese James. And I thought Tuchel also did fantastically to bring on Loftus-Cheek and Barkley when we needed them because they did have an impact on the game and they kind of contributed to the to the Reese James goals. So all in all, a great performance. Yeah, I have to echo everything you just said because I think, obviously, I think we said before the game that we were going to win, but it was probably going to be a strange game, obviously, because of Newcastle. I felt they, I felt they sat back very a lot in the first half, and at, at times, obviously, made it difficult for us to to score. But I think as the game progressed, you always kind of understood that there might be, you know, a goal, a Chelsea goal coming. I didn't think they could sustain that sort of defensive sort of sitting back and playing behind the ball, getting to you know eleven men behind the ball. That kind of tactic was never going to work for ninety minutes. But I, I, I slightly agree with you um, in, in terms of in terms of um, Ziyech, but I wanted to ask you around um, our defence as well. What was your thoughts on them? If I'm completely honest, they didn't have much to do during the game. They were they kind of everything they they were thrown at. They dealt with it really well. I thought um, Thiago Silva, Rudiger, and Christensen were very very solid for any kind of British fan who, who watches match of the day. I think Ian Wright, Alan Shearer, and I think it was Gary Lineker. They covered it perfectly. You know, it's just Newcastle's tactic was just, you know, as soon as it kind of, they had the ball, they'd pass it back to Carl Darlow, their goalkeeper, who would just lob it up the pitch to to Rudiger, to Silva, to Christensen. And it was just a comfortable, um, you know, ball to deal with. And then once the, one of those three centre-backs would get the ball, they would just, you know, play, Chelsea would play it from the back again. So it's kind of like they found Newcastle 
they had it very, very hard to break down a defence. And I think they only had one shot on target at Newcastle, which came, I think, quite late on in the second half. So I think, you know, Silva, Christensen and Rudiger had a very comfortable 90 minutes all around. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It was perf- perfect game. Um, obviously, results went our way, but I just wanted, again, I wanted to talk to you around um, Havertz, who is obviously playing that sort of false nine um, because of Lukaku being injured. But I thought he had another brilliant game. I, th- I think, you know, he- he's almost coming into his own sort of element in terms of what he needs to do as a player. Obviously, he was criticised at times last season alongside Werner as well for, for not maybe playing as you know the way that we wanted him to. But I think he's coming into his own little game. He's, he's finding the right pockets of space, which is what we need him to do. He does a lot of the, the, the things off the ball that not necessarily he gets credited for or people praise him for, but a lot of that opens up the space for you know the, the wingers or you know the, the guys in midfield as well. But even to win that penalty, I thought was brilliant. You know, he's, he's, he's definitely coming on now. Definitely, definitely. Um, I think what we get with Havertz as a false nine over Lukaku is Lukaku is more of a target man. You know, we'll, we'll see, I think it was in that Brentford game, the amount of times we tried to get the ball to Lukaku from from the defence, you know, just a long ball up the pitch and Lukaku would try to hold it. At times it worked, at times it didn't. But with Havertz, it's a lot more fluid. I feel like, as you mentioned, you'll create space for the wing backs, create space for, you know, whoever's behind him, whether it's Lukaku or whether it's... Um, uh, Ziyech, Hudson-Odoi, Barkley, um, Loftus-Cheek in the second half. And then he did brilliantly to win that penalty. It was a great through ball from Barkley. And, you know, he kind of took it to the side. And, you know, not not all, you know, strikers would be able to control the ball like he did, but also, you know, be able to do round the keeper like he did. It was like Fernando Torres style at the new Camp and it was fantastic. So I think goals may, might not be coming his way at the moment he is scoring occasionally but I think like Werner which we saw last season we have to credit him for everything he's doing off the ball as well and and you mentioned Reese James before world class he is man I mean I think a lot of people I don't know what it is about Chelsea players but and Thomas Tuchel as well but he never they never really get the, the you know they're not mentioned in certain conversations and you know we've seen that with when we spoke about uh, Mendy previously around Ballon d'Or but Reese James has got to be. I'm not saying he's he's better than Trent. He's not. I'm not saying he's miles ahead of Trent at all. I'm not saying that. But you know, the, the amount of praise last season, and I think the season, yeah, season before the Euros, that Trent was getting around, you know, number of assists and you know his his attacking play, and you know he can't defend. But Reese James can do all of those things. He's scoring goals, which is he's adding to his his game now. Which you know, he, he potentially has to do that if he wants to be classed as the best in the world. But defensively, he's brilliant. Attacking, he's brilliant. I can't really remember a game where I've looked and thought, you know, let's let's hook off Rhys James or, you know, we don't need Rhys James in this game. He's, he's, he re- very rarely puts a foot wrong defensively as well. So, it, it, I mean, it's not a bad shout, is it? We're best in the world. You mentioned Hakimi, uh, Trent, Aaron Wambasaka, who, you know, they're, they're not playing anything better than Trent uh, than Reece James at the moment. Yeah, no, I mean, I mentioned before he's he's levels above Trent. I think that's based on current form. Yeah, I yeah. do think Trent is an excellent footballer as well. Let me just clarify that. But he's a Reece James is absolutely fantastic, as you mentioned, not just his defensive ability, but also you know going forward. And when I was seeing that a lot more at the moment with his you know him playing right wing back over right back, which he was playing under um, Frank Lampard in that position. I just feel like the right wing back position just suits him so well. He has that freedom to, you know, go up the pitch, contribute with crosses, contribute with shots, contribute with um, assists. And he was absolutely fantastic against Newcastle and even against Norwich. That, you know, that chip finish he scored against Norwich was a striker's finish. 
And, you know, I think left foot, right foot against Newcastle for the, both of his goals. As I mentioned before, when I spoke, 86 touches of the ball. And I think about, you know, over 50 or 60 of those came in the Newcastle half. He was absolutely fantastic. And I, I think at Newcastle, when he, I'm not at Newcastle, sorry, at Wigan, when he was on loan at Wigan, he played a few games as a, as a midfielder. Yeah, so yeah, he, yeah. he has he has that in his locker, you know, to play as a midfielder. And I think, I know we've got plenty of depth in midfield, but should we need that option maybe one day to, you know, play a, a Reese James at midfield? I think like Zuma played there in the, in the League Cup final against Spurs. I, I I definitely back him in midfield for, for maybe a cup game or something. So he's honestly a fantastic player. And as you mentioned, maybe he's not getting, you know, the, the world-class label that some other players are getting because he plays for Chelsea. But I think it's about time rival fans open their eyes and realise this player is very, very good. Just how like Jorginho and Kante deserve that Ballon d'Or this year. I think, you know, we need to, we need to start to wake up and realise that. Yeah. And let's, let's just move on to um, Billy Gilmore, another player who I think we need to, to mention. He's not currently playing at the moment for Norwich, but why do you think that is? Why, why do you think he's, he's not getting the game time at the moment? I would not be able to tell you. <laughs> I would not be able to tell you. I think it's just Daniel Falk being quite stubborn maybe already kind of thinking about the championship next season or the second half of the season. And I think, you know, his excuse is that we're not here to develop players from other clubs, whether that's a dig at, you know, not wanting to play lone players or whether that's, you know, just uh, he's, he, in his eyes, Billy Gilmore's not good enough, but you'd have to be quite silly to, you know, to see that Billy Gilmore's not good enough because with the way that Norwich are playing, um, they could easily, Billy Gilmore would help them pick up a couple of points at the moment. We saw that, you know, his Champions League, he's played in the Champions League last season. He played in the Euros. He was man of the match against England in that nil-nil draw at Wembley. He's, he's got bags of experience, the, despite his age. When I say bags of experience, it's at the highest level. And um, I don't know, I'm a bit lost at why Daniel Fark's not playing him. It could almost save Newcastle, um, Norwich from relegation, maybe get by giving him more game time. And as it is right now, they, they, they're they losing every single game. So they've almost got nothing to lose, whether he's on loan, whether he belongs to another club. He's got nothing to lose, but I think should it continue like this? And I think there were conversations between the two of them at Stamford Bridge last week or with the, you know, the higher leaders of the clubs. He could be recorded in January, which would make sense. But if we keep him in the squad or loan him back out, I don't know, but I think that's a sensible option right now. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree. I think it doesn't make any sense whatsoever to... Um, it doesn't make sense to have a player on loan. You're sitting rock bottom of the Premier League. You haven't got a win all season like like you've just mentioned you know he's he's a he's a player that can change games and even going back to their game um at the weekend against Leeds you know they're two on down maybe maybe bring him on bring him on and give him give him you know give Leeds something to think about but I, I don't think he's played since September I believe something like that September yeah I think it was September, so. he hasn't played at Cow Road since the, the Liverpool the new Norwich Liverpool game on the opening day so I think it's that's just, what I read so yeah, it, it, for me personally, I think, you know, recall him. I know I mentioned, I think, Everton to you last night, but we also mentioned Palace, maybe a Brighton, that kind of team. But there's also the, the option of bringing him in and, and embedding him into, you know, a, a very jam-packed couple of months coming up for Chelsea as well. Because, again, we've got the Club World Cup coming up as well. Um, I think the African Cup of Nations has now been um, been cancelled or been postponed for for period of time so obviously that means that we'll we'll keep um Mendy in our in our aspects and and I'm assuming Hakim Ziyech wasn't going to go anyway yeah. because of the um the issues that he's got with Morocco at the moment but just having an extra player in that sort of that time in, in that period where it's busy you know December January we've got some key games coming up 
maybe bring him in and use him as a, a part player, you know, as much as it's not. I don't necessarily see the understanding of sending him to Norwich to sit on the bench when he can do that at Chelsea and he can train with the higher calibre of players, which in the long run is going to benefit him more as well. You know, um, whether there's something that's gone on, maybe with Daniel Fark and, and Billy Gilmore, the club, I don't know. It just seems very odd that you've got a player who is definitely better than the, the midfielders that they've got on Norwich at the moment, and that's no disrespect to them, but he's come there for a reason because why would you get someone on loan to, to not... It's not. I don't think it's about the development. I don't think, for me, I think that's such a strange statement to come out with because, yes, part of your, your role is to develop a player. That's all your players, regardless of whether they, they're owned by Norwich or they've come in on loan, but he's a player that can change games. And I, I've watched him, for, like you said, for Scotland when he's had opportunity to play for, for Chelsea as well. He's done that. So I just think it's a weird one. I'd recall him and I'd... I said Everton, I still think that's a really good shout. I think they need someone in midfield. Um, I think you mentioned Tom Davies yesterday. I think Billy Gilmore would push him aside and he'd, he'd make that, you know, that step up at, at Everton as well. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I find it really odd. I, I'm 80, maybe 90% certain we'll recall him in January mm. because Tuchel's already kind of been asked that question already around, you know, what does he think around Daniel Falk not playing him? The fact that that's been batted around in press conferences always already tells you that there may, might be some sort of discussions between the two clubs that's already been had. So recall him, keep him, or yeah. send him on to a club that will get the benefits out of him. Yeah. Um, I think we mentioned Palace, but you know, Conor Gallagher, again, another player who is, is doing, you know, well, Patrick Vera is definitely getting the best out of him anyway. But what's your thoughts on Conor Gallagher, who... Um, I think he scored four goals now while on loan at Palace. Obviously scored a brilliant one against uh, Man City at the weekend. But what's your thoughts on his development at, at Crystal Palace at the moment? Well, this is just almost like a big middle finger up at Daniel Fark. Like, we're not here to develop <laughs> you know, players from other clubs. We'll look at Conor Gallagher shining at Crystal Palace and starting every game for Patrick Vieira. Fantastic, fantastic player. He's only 21 years old. And every time I watch him, he impresses me even more. You know, match today, pundits always praise him as well, which is great to see. And, you know, he was, he was, he was pivotal in that um, victory at the Etihad on, on Saturday. I think he, he, he assisted Zaha for the opener and then he scored, yep. you know, the, the last goal. And he just looks so, so sharp on the ball. He looks confident for his age, which is something we're starting to see with Mount. You know, and Mount never really got, we have to remember, he never got a loan to the Premier League before, you know, breaking into the Chelsea team. Whereas Gallagher's now had two. He's he had, I think he went to, on loan to the championship to Charlton and Swansea. And then now he was at West Brom last season where he, he only got one or two goals, I think. Whereas now he's matched that tally easily um, being at um, Crystal Palace. But I think um, we mentioned what we had um, our, our Crystal Palace friends, you know, on, uh, back in the summer after the, we reviewed the, the Chelsea Crystal Palace game. And he was really excited for Gallagher. He was thanking us for him and Guehi. And now you can see why, because I think, you know, he's absolutely fantastic. And Patrick Vieira, I think I was a bit, I wasn't too sure as a bit on the fence before whether he was the right manager for his development, but now I'm mm. I'm actually confident that the two of them will kind of you know you know they'll go hand in hand with each other, and um, I'm very excited actually to see him for the rest of the season. But also I'm a bit thinking you know for the future ahead, should we? What's going to happen next season? Is it going to be another loan to Palace? Is it going to be a permanent move to Palace? Is he going to come back to Chelsea and break into the team? maybe challenge someone like Loftus-Cheek or Mount for, you know, the starting position. So there's a lot of questions as a Chelsea fan we have to ask. Well, we have this type of player now that can that can break into the team. But at the same time, I do think that Tuchel is the manager that will give, you know, a player like that, should he get him back in pre-season, uh, summer 2022, 
and see his actually his abilities and you know and his quality that maybe he will want to you know have him cement a position in the starting eleven. Same thing with maybe an Armando Braha, you know, and same thing we saw with Chaloba last season. So there's a lot of kind of youth qualities, you know, that are out on loan at the moment, including Gilmore, that I think could easily be playing for Chelsea first team football. It's going to be interesting because I feel like something's going to have to give. And I feel like we're talking about the the centre-back issue again with, you know, um, Tamori going to AC Milan and um, Zuma going to West Ham. I think something's going to have to give because we are almost overcrowded in midfield for, for players when you think about it. You know, um, does Ro- Ross Barkley need to leave or it's a shame for him to leave because he's he's coming to some form. Mm. I mean, I, re- I was reading this morning some... Some fans don't feel like he's he's doing as much as he can for Chelsea, but I, I disagree with that. I think I he's given an yeah. opportunity. Yeah, he's he's getting his opportunity. He's taken them, and he's doing really well. But does that? I don't want that to be at the the expense of. I think I've said this before. Uh, at the expense of a Conor Gallagher um, or a, a Billy Gilmore. You know, Sal Niguez is there. I'm I'm sure Tuchel's looking at that now and thinking, you know, was it the right choice to to bring him in when we've got two good players that we could potentially use on loan in that sort of position as well so uh, uh, yeah I think if if the way I see it going I think one of the two out of Gil- Gilmore and Gallagher will either be loaned out again next season or potentially a permanent move like you say I, I, could, I could see Gallagher staying at Palace but being on a permanent basis mm. and it's sad to kind of see that because he's definitely got you know bags of talent but does he want to come back and go back on loan after playing you know regular first team football for Crystal Palace as well that's that's the question he's I suppose he's gonna to have to ask himself, but I just can't see him coming back and playing second fiddle to someone at Chelsea when he's proven already now that he's he's a, a quality Premier League player and he's gonna to wanna to play week in, week out. And can can Chelsea guarantee that? Probably not. You know, there's too many players in that position. So it's gonna be a shame if we lose him, but I understand why we'd lose him as well. I think he's um he's a brilliant his movement is just he's just he reminds me of, not to compare him with anyone, but he's just definitely someone who I could see going on and, you know, getting you know 10 or 11, 15 goals a season because he's that kind of player. He gets forward. He's not scared to take players on as well, which is for his age, you know, the experience that he's had at a Premier League level, um, taking away the West Brom because I really count that. But in terms of what he's doing at Palace, he, he's definitely got a bright future ahead of him. Definitely, definitely. And like you mentioned, you know, it's, I think it's a choice of whether it's going to be Gilmore or, or or Gallagher coming back to Chelsea next season. It'll be hard to have both, especially if we we make the Sanagez move permanent, which is quite reassuring to know that it's not an obligation to buy. It's a, you know an option to buy. I still think we haven't seen the best of Sanagez yet, and with all the congested game, you know, busy months coming up with fixtures, I think we'll see more of him. And we did see what he's capable of doing against Southampton in the cup. Yeah. So we've got we're almost spoiled for choices with midfield. You know, both players that currently belong to Chelsea, but also players you know that are on loan or out on loan. So it's going to be an interesting summer for Tuchel. But I actually, what I do like with him, I think he made in terms of transfer business last summer, the business was spot on. Keeping Chiloba, I think, make made a lot of sense at the time. Learning Gilmore to Norwich made a lot of sense. Gallagher to Palace made a lot of sense. Broha to Southampton too. So I think um, maybe just the Liberamento making that permanent was you know, a, bit, a bit of a shame, but I think that's his decision rather than Tuchel's. Um, so I think you know, I'm confident that Tuchel will have another um, brilliant summer uh, next year and make the right choices with our transfer market. 
Yeah, I, I trust him. I trust him I trust completely. Him. He, you know, he's he's not really given me any reason to doubt anything that he's done whilst he's been at the club. Um, obviously, we we sort of spoke about Tamori, but like you just mentioned, you know, Chalab has come in and he's done. He's done for me. He's done just as good as a job. Um, same with Milan Sar. It's a bit sort of question mark around him, but I've been impressed when he's played. You know, so it's. Um, it's it's going to be it's going to be difficult, I think, to to keep all these players happy because, we, as I've said before, you know we've got that many good players that could easily start for us. It's just you can only pick eleven out of that twenty three, so it's going to be interesting. But I hope we keep him. I hope I'd, I'd love to see Conor Gallagher, you know, getting a, a regular run out for for Chelsea. I think he he can definitely do that. But on the flip side, so can Billy Gilmore. Um, but I, I pretty I'm pretty sure we'll we'll recall Gilmore. I can't see Gilmore staying at Norwich. It just doesn't, something's gone on, whether it's between the manager or the two clubs, but something's gone on that just doesn't sit right with with mm-hmm. with me anyway as a fan. You know, I think he should be, he should be arguably one of the first names on that team sheet for Norwich. So, because isn't Brandon Williams getting game time from, from Man U and he's on loan as well. So, you know, it Daniel Fox, it, does, it doesn't make sense. No, yeah. Um, so, it's silly though because he could literally help Gilmore could help him pick up points and be out of that relegation zone had he played you know a sensible amount of games and minutes since the start of the season yeah I, I don't like to normally say you know I can't wait to see a team get relegated but I'll be honest uh, Norwich fans if you ever listen to this I I think you know it's it's one of those things where you've got the golden ticket sitting in your lap but you just don't want to use it and you know, he's he's that good of a player. He will get you points, whether he scores or he assists or he, you know, he just changes the game. And we've seen that so many times for Chelsea, as you mentioned, for Scotland as well. But I just don't get it. I really mm. don't. So, you know, Norwich, good luck in the championship. You're going to lose it. So um, let, let's move on to um, Champions League. Malmo away. Give us your thoughts. What, what's your thoughts? I wish I was on a plane to Copenhagen right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I messaged you on Friday because I've got friends going. Cause, um, for those who don't know where Malmo is located, it's about a 40-minute train ride from Copenhagen. So all the Chelsea fans are flying to Copenhagen and then going to Malmo for the for the game. They're going back to Copenhagen to hopefully celebrate. Yeah, I've got I've got some friends who met, um, who um, who are going to the game. They're definitely they flew today or they're flying tomorrow morning. And they asked me if I wanted to join. And it was just too late to get a ticket by then. And I've got so many annual leave days I need to take as well. So I'm, I'm gutted. I'm gutted. I know. Oh, I didn't, no. <laughs> but the next, the next one's Zenit in December. It's going to be probably snowing and really cold for that one. So yeah. oh, I wish I, I wish I made the, the Malmo and the Copenhagen Malmo. trip. But I'm excited. You know, it's, it's a good game. Probably another thing I should mention is every time I have traveled for a European match, we've drawn or lost. So maybe I'll oh, be. So a, it's, it's probably a good job that you. Maybe think. it's a good. I'm like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not good. I'm not a good bit of luck for for Chelsea when traveling. So, um, but then again, Malmo, we should be beating them regardless if, if I'm there or not. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm confident. I think we saw, you know, Malmo's performance at Stamford Bridge two weeks ago. They're not great. Let's face it. Um, and I think um, they got. They don't. They don't have much to play for now. I think they've lost all three of their games. Rock bottom of the group. Um. We've rotated a fair bit of the injuries we've had recently, but I think we can allow ourselves to rotate even more um, tomorrow. I think, you know, even bring in players like Malang Saar. I think Barkley deserves another start for, you know, the impacts he had in the Newcastle game. I'd even play Kepa. I, I definitely think it's a good game for Kepa. It's a early start at 5.45 British time. 
So I think, you know, if we can get the three points and, you know, get a bit closer to Juventus and then hopefully um, hope that they get, get a result against them at, um, you know, eight o'clock, then that'd be fantastic. But in terms of actually analysing any of the Malmo players, I don't know them too well, so I'm not able to do that. But I think it's a game we should be winning quite comfortably and keeping another clean sheet. But then, you know, it could be one of those type of stadiums with quite an intimidating atmosphere. You know, so um, maybe there could be a bit of, you know, nerviness for some players that don't play too regularly. So it could be sign of maybe conceding a goal, but, you know, with the way we're playing, with you know, kind of the stability in defence, I still back ourselves to get a clean sheet and score at least three or four again. Yeah, I think I think I gave Malmo a bit too much credit last last time we played them. I know they're top of their league or they were. I think they still are um, in their domestic league. But I, I think... Yeah, I think we've got enough in there to to, to deal with them. I don't think Thomas Tuchel is going to tweak that squad too much. I think he, you know, looking at the table, I think um, obviously we're second on six points, but we, we do play Zenit, as you mentioned as well. And then we've got Juventus, I think, on the 23rd. So we're six and we kind of need to make sure we get another three points, I think, in this game. And I think Tuchel would like to have that reassurance behind him and hope that, you know, Juventus can can beat Zenit as well. Um, that kind of gives us a bit more of a, a gap and a bit more of a leeway going into those two games. And I think if we if we were to drop points now, um, you know, even if we were to draw, you know, and, and you know, Zenit get a win against Juventus, which is very unlikely, but it could happen, then it kind of puts a bit more pressure on those two games at the end. And I, I think he'll he'll probably like to use this game as a almost as a beating. You know, he wants to make sure that, you know, it's not it's not as close as, you know, we, we're looking for a, a winner, you know, in the 80th minute and, we, you know, we're all, you know, all hands on deck. I think we want to try and make sure that this game's put to bed early, maybe bring on, you know, a Barkley, like you mentioned, or, I don't know, you know, take off Reese James and bring on Hudson Odoi in that position or Aspie, you know, someone else in that position. But I just think he'll punt you know, he'll want to make sure that this game's put to bed early and that it's not, you know, we're not you know, squeaky bomb time at, you know, 85 minutes, hoping that we can get like a, a last minute goal. So I'd like to see changes, of course, because I think we've got Burnley at the weekend and I think that's going to be a, a, a tough game as well. Um, I know they're, they're struggling in the league, but... They're know, showing some form now. They're showing some yeah. form. They beat Brentford yeah, yeah. at the weekend. So I think it's... And as well. Yeah. I think that that Cornet guy they bought from Lyon is looking very, very decent. But we'll yeah. preview them after the Malmo game, I'm sure. Yeah. So mm. I, I'm, I'm sort of thinking to myself, you know, obviously we know Havertz will probably play. We, we've got no choice. But I think in terms of that, maybe maybe give me some out. Obviously missing out on the game um, against Newcastle just to give him a bit of a run out. If we're winning, bring him off, you know, 60 minutes into the game, keep him fresh for, for, for Burnley. But... Um, I mean, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm thinking, you know, 3 0, 4 0. I can't see them scoring. They were awful. I think they didn't have a shot on target when they came to, to the bridge, or they might have mm. had one shot on target, I think. So I, I just can't see them doing it. I, I really can't. I might be wrong. We might lose, but <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to go 4 0. I'm going to go 4 0. Yeah. I think you, may, you mentioned you're wanting to, you know, play maybe our best 11 to get a beating and be in a comfortable position. But then I'm just still thinking of that game at Stanford Bridge when we lost Lukaku and Werner. Yeah, 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 so it's kind of Tuchel might be thinking, do I play my strongest eleven and just cross my fingers that we don't get any injuries, or do I kind of you know play those players that maybe won't play as often, and hopefully we still get a kind of a comfortable win, which I still think we're capable of doing. Playing a Sanagers, a Barkley, a Malangsa, I think those are players that could easily help us get a clean sheet and a comfortable win. So I'm gonna go three 0 Chelsea. 
I think, you know, we'll almost match the performance that we at Stanford Bridge, but just concede one, um, score one less goal because it's away from home and, you know, maybe a bit of fatigue from the travel. But yeah, it's going to be a, a comfortable win and a clean sheet again, I reckon. Yeah, and as you mentioned, it's an early kickoff. It's five uh, forty-five UK mm. time as well. So, um, which I, I hate as well. I hate when we're on early. Um, again, it messes up the you know, the evening. If we lose, which we won't, but if we did, you know, I can't watch my eight o'clock kickoffs then because I'm just I'm just not not in the mood for it. But I think we'll win. I think I'm confident. I agree with you. I think you know, it'd be yeah, it'd be. World War Three. If we lost, I think you know we, we can't really afford to lose to Malmo. They're, they're a team that we should be convincingly beaten. I think they've, yeah, we've we've shown that we've we've got that sort of depth in the squad as well. And I said that to you offline. I think you know when we found out Mason Matt was playing against Newcastle, you know the, the squad depth should get us through these kind of games. And I, I do agree with you. You know, playing a Sal Niguez or a um, you know Melangsar, those kind of players. Of course, you know you want to play them, but. I think back to the Carabao Cup games as well and how kind of not that we struggled, but you know, we, we didn't we didn't look like we were gonna score. You know, you look mm. at Southampton, I'd, it's things like that that kind of worries me. And I I think from what I've I've noticed of Tuchel so far is he's he's not concerned about the opponents, he just wants True. to win. You True. Know, he doesn't really he doesn't really care if it's um you know, a lower lower league team in the FA Cup, I, I'd imagine to still potentially put out a very strong squad. He might have a few, you know, um the youngsters, I think, in the Carabao Cup, there was um, a few two youngsters on mm. the bench. So I think he'll he'll do that, but only if we're convincingly winning. You know, if we're winning f- for four nil and it's half time, I'm sure you'll see some youngsters maybe come on. But if 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 it's looking nil nil and it's seventy minutes on the clock, I think he'll be, you know, he'll, he he won't be happy. So I think we need to make sure yeah. we put the game to bed early and just, um, you know, come out second half and and play a bit of um freestyle football with them yeah. you know, get get the Olays going <laughs> and um, it's, yeah it's f- five substitutions in the Champions League as well which will favour us because we have that depth and we have yeah. a probably better quality squad much better quality squad than Malmo so if it can mean you know resting some players or bringing some even some better players onto the pitch if we need then that will definitely favour us having those five substitutions available yeah definitely definitely so we're going to go 3-0 Theo I'm going to go 4-0 I think we I think we're going to thrash them I think we're going to sh- yeah, we're going to show them show them what we're made of. But um, I didn't want to talk about him, but I do want to ask you your thoughts on um, <laughs> previous uh, Chelsea manager, Antonio Conte, who looks set to to be the next uh, t- Tottenham manager. From what I'm reading, 18 months um, initial sort of contract. He's been promised, I think, about £150 million to um, spend in January with the option to hopefully buy three or four plays for Spurs. Before we wrap up, Let's end it on a, on a low, seeing as we've been talking on a high for the last thirty minutes. But um, what's your thoughts about you know ex, another another ex Chelsea manager, obviously Jose, um, previous to that as well, going there. So what's your thoughts on Conte going to Spurs? It's annoying. It's it's frustra- <laughs> it's frustrating because as Chelsea fans, more than anyone, we know what he's capable of doing with. I want to not. I don't want to say an average squad, but a squad that's kind of you know had a difficult previous season. And he's capable of turning things around just with one or two signings and change of formation. It's because when, when Mourinho went to Manu, it was just horrible seeing him, you know, in the Manu um, touchline with the trackie and all that. And same when he went to Spurs after. And it's going to be the same with Conte now at Spurs. 
I've always loved him. I always thought he was he should have stayed a cut longer, but obviously he's more of a two season manager at um at clubs. So I do don't expect him to be at Spurs come, you know, maybe a couple of summers after the World Cup or but um but I think Spurs are getting a great manager. That's what I can say. Um I think he will sign some players in January. I think Kane will be happier play, playing better football as well under under him. I still don't think they have the centre back quality maybe to play free at the back. I don't think Dyer um Romero and Sanchez are world-class centre-backs to, you know, to be in a back three on their own. Maybe Taganga will come in, you know, but, you know, play a bit of a hybrid between right, right wing back yeah. and maybe centre-back. But, um, but no, I think he's a fantastic manager. Happy to have him back in the Premier League, I suppose, because I do love Conte, but that's, that's all I can say. Yeah, he's definitely world-class still. You know, he's mm. one of those managers that can, you know, turn shit into gold. To, to use that phrase but you know he's he's a really good manager um I agree with you you know that Spurs aren't a bad team you know on paper they they have cracks in the team obviously you just spoke about defense but going forward you know looking at Lucas Moore at the weekend who's arguably their best player should never have been subbed off and Kane Son um and Dombele sort of coming into a bit of form as well so I think he'll get the best out of those type of players I think he'll definitely assess um obviously he likes his five at the back so I think he'll definitely assess the center backs he'll make that probably priority number one if he comes in. But I agree with you, you know, it's a, it's a shame because, you know, just like Jose, you know, it was painful for me to, like you said, you know, see him go to United. And I didn't really mind him going to Spurs because I, no. I knew it was never going to work. It was just never, um, you know, the two, uh, you know, Daniel Levy and Jose was never going to work. And I kind of feel like Conte, unless he's given the freedom to, to almost do what he needs to do and to just be left alone to do the business, the day-to-day running of, you know, the, the, the team itself and not get interference. I think that's going to be the, the the big, you know, stumbling block. If that starts happening, which seems to happen with all the managers at Tottenham, you know, Conte doesn't stand for it. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't need to be at Spurs. I think that's another thing as well. Mm. You know, if there's another big club, you know, you look at like a Barcelona who, I think they can obviously uh, appoint Xavi or they might have already done that. But, uh, you know, you look at those kind of clubs and there will be, you know, another manager, a big club who will go. So as soon as that happens, if Spurs, there's rumblings at Spurs, he'll be the first one to be to be pipped and, and to be taken away. So um, I'd also say I think he's got a lot of stuff in his, his contract if he does sign it, lots of clauses. Mm. I think he'll be, you know, he's probably been guaranteed that he's actually allowed to spend money. He's been guaranteed a transfer budget. He's probably been guaranteed so many different things because obviously this deal was supposed to happen in the summer. I think he was one of the top, um, the top appointments that they wanted. So... It does. It does. It does appear that obviously something's happened um, in terms of their talking. They've obviously agreed something, but whatever they've agreed, I'm sure it's on Conte's terms, not Daniel Levy's. Yeah, I can see him more walking away than getting sacked in a in a year yeah. or two. So I can yeah. see Conte's quite stubborn. He's very strong-minded. So um, I think it's going to be a sh- short-term success for Tottenham. I think rather than long-term success, I can see them. It's an, I hate saying this, but they will win a trophy maybe this season or next season. It's, it's pay, it's pay, it pains me to say as a Chelsea <laughs> fan, but I just know how good Conte is. And yeah. if he gets the players he wants in January or next summer, then it's going to be short-term success for Tottenham for sure. We'll have to see. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I mean, the deal's not actually done yet. So I think they've offered him the, the 18 months so we could all fall through. We've seen it before with Spurs. It's a Spurs way of doing things, <laughs> messing things up. So um, yeah, fingers crossed that we can... Um, you know, that we can 
see that happen to be honest you know as a, as a, as a Chelsea fan but um, yeah it's going to be interesting as a, bringing it back to Chelsea it's going to be an interesting week you know we're obviously on a high from from uh, Newcastle St James's Park going into the game against Malmo and then we will be um, talking about Burnley in our next episode but it's going to be an interesting week Theo you said 3-0 are you yeah. going to go for any goal scorers? I never get the goal scorers right at the moment. Um, I predicted Christensen earlier in the season and then he scored a couple of games later. So let me go for Christensen again at the score, I think. Um, and then let me go with uh, Barkley and let's go with Havertz. Yeah, I'm going to go two for Havertz and I, I reckon... <laughs> I reckon the defender's going to score. I think mm. we're going to get a set piece. So I'll, I'll maybe, might go, no, should I go Chris? I'll go with Christensen. Christensen or Rudiger, I think, depending on who plays. Um, maybe Mason Mount if he score if he starts as well. I think we'll we'll get our four goals and clean sheet Mendy as well. I think we'll put Mendy, not Kepper, in goal. I think we'll get clean sheet. Either, either way, we should get mm-hmm. a clean sheet. You know, so Kepper or Mendy, do your do your job. Um, but as as always, guys, you can follow us um, on Twitter and YouTube. Search for us from the shed end and also on Instagram at from the shed end with underscores between each of the words on Instagram as well. We're also on YouTube. So subscribe, give us a comment, a like all of that stuff as well. Let us know your thoughts on obviously Antonio Conte. He, if he does take the job at Spurs, what's your thoughts as Chelsea fans? Are you happy? You better not be, but if you are, <laughs> let, us, let us know your thoughts. Um, obviously Reese James, is he world-class? Is he, is he one of the world-class right backs? We think so, but if you disagree, let us know as well. Uh, Newcastle, what do you think about Newcastle? Give us your thoughts on that. And Malmo, big game tomorrow, quarter to six, I think we said 5.45pm UK time. As always, this has been From the Shed End. So, Theo, as always, thanks for joining me. It's been a pleasure. We love doing this every week. Uh, We will be back um, later this week, hopefully, to to do the uh, Burnley preview as well. Big game coming up there. We can hopefully go six points clear against Liverpool if they uh, they drop more points. I think they've got a tough game this weekend. I can't remember who it is, but they've definitely got, I think it's West Ham. They've got West Ham mm. this weekend. So big game. We might be six points clear at the weekend. So we'll definitely be uh, be smiling after that if we, we can get six points clear. So this has been From the Shed End, episode 33 of From the Shed End. Theo, thanks for joining me. Thanks. Until next time, we'll be back.